The Katinka podcast is about stories. Then COVID-19 happened. I felt my world get smaller. I missed my friends. The Katinka podcast is as a result of this need to connect to friends. It is about stories. I believe as we gain insight into another's story, we help to bring humanity closer. Through others, we see snippets of something familiar but different. It is my collage of what a better world can look like. In the Katinka podcast, no story is too small. Every story matters. Hi, Sheila. Thank you so much for joining my podcast. How are you? I'm okay. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks. I know. Just to give other people a, a bit of a background. So Sheila and I met many years ago and she and I both used to teach at a university and we share the love for coffee and have continued to celebrate our friendship through meetings with coffee, extending now to her growing family each time I go visit um, in Manila. And I'm so grateful that we're still friends after all these years. So thank you very much for indulging me with um, sharing your life story with me and everyone else who listens, Sheila. No problem. Thank you for inviting me. Anyway, so um, I guess this podcast is about stories. And as a goddaughter to your child... Your eldest child, I have seen you nurture her artistic pursuit of creative writing. This tends to depart from how most Asian parents encourage careers in law, medicine, or nursing. How is it important for you that Mika pursue her own interests? Um, actually, it's it's kind of a surprise for me. It was interesting because at two years old, she started writing. So I thought it was just, you know, simple writing. And then it became like an outlet. So without her knowing, I was actually encouraging it without really telling her to write. So it came easy because um, she didn't keep on writing stuff. She played ukulele, but she would go back to it. And so I found out that she's been writing even in school. So the highlight of the talent came when she was eight. She wrote a very short story that actually got me nervous, but it was chosen by the illustrador na mga kabataan. And uh, one illustrator depicted the story that she wrote and it was exhibited in the Ayala Museum. And then from then on, I realized this is what she wanted to do. So I encouraged her without really encouraging her. Which is kind of nice because most parents, once they see their kids develop some interest, they, you know, like all these tiger moms, that you see on TV and online that they, you know, do everything more so the kid learns so much more. But your approach seems to have been a bit more natural and um, without much pressure. And Mika really seems happy, isn't yeah. she? <laughs> yes, I think it, it's one thing to be a parent and one thing to be a, a sort of a facilitator. So I would like to believe that I'm just not her mom. 
I'm trying to lead her where she wants to go without holding her hand. You know, so it's, it's like a kite. I'm just holding the kite. The wind will bring her. I'll follow it. So as you said, because I don't want to push her. You know, if you see talent, you push. No, um, I think we're in that generation thing. I, I think I, we can vouch for it. You know, our parents push us to do this and do that. Not that I didn't like it, but I didn't want to be that way to my kids. I know, and she's so lucky. It's amazing. I think um, there are very few that truly nurture their kids in a way and that they're happy and that they still focus with what they really want without the fear of failure in that sense. Yes, yes. That's important. Very important. So coming from Asia, both of us are, are from the Philippines. Do you not feel a practical course like something that can send her overseas would be practical and necessary under the circumstances? Well, that actually, um, my husband is the, you know, the smarter one, I mean, academically. So Mika actually tried Philippine science. She took the exam in Quezon City Science. She passed Quezon City Science. Um, I don't know if I told you, but before she was even allowed by my husband to take the audition or for, to audition for the Philippine High School for the Arts, they had an argument about it because exactly what you said. Now, as Asians, most parents would rather have their children get into a course or get into a career where it's sure to be high-paying, successful, and all. But um, I see that when uh, people actually like what they do and they're happy, that's more important than um, getting so much money. I mean, this COVID, for example, we realize the importance of artists. We listen to music, we watch Netflix, and, you know, we listen to online concerts. So without us knowing, we appreciate the arts because there are artists. So when I found out that my girl was into that, I did not want to, to mute that. In fact, um, I'm glad that she pursued it and she's still good in English. She's still good in science. She's excellent in math. So it doesn't make her less of a student, a regular student, because she's pursuing art. So um, going abroad, uh, I guess it's luck and prayers that um, she got in the Philippines uh, High School for the Arts because this actually opens the gate for her to go abroad, study abroad to hone her creative writing skills. And is the path to the Philippine Science for the Arts, was that your idea? So how did that school come about? I mean, for those who are listening, the Philippine Science for the Arts is a scholarship for students who are very gifted in dance, music, writing, for example. Was that your idea for her to apply or was that an encouragement from her school? Actually, that was my idea because 
um, of course, as parents, no, I cannot take it away from us to want her to go to a premier school. So we made her go to a review school for the Philippine Science High School. Um, and then she took the exams for the Philippine Science High School. She went and took the exams for Quezon City Science High School. Um, but uh, early last year, I opened the topic to my husband that Mika might be able to audition for the Philippine High School for the Arts. My husband is the typical Filipino father who worries for the children's future too early. So he said, no, don't let her go. Maybe because he also believes she's going to get it. So it scared him. So he... So he actually postponed saying yes until October. Can you imagine? The audition was November 30. We only submitted the applications early October. So yes, because my husband didn't want her to try. But I said, just let her try. There's no harm in it. So that's it. It was my idea because, as I said, at eight years old, I felt that she wanted to do writing. She wrote beautiful stories, and it was her way of uh, expressing herself. So I thought she wanted to do that for the rest of her life. I guess when I th- when I listen to that um, story, it almost brings tears to my eyes that <laughs> you actually recognize. I guess in some ways. I think for me, I always wanted to do something similar, but, you know, the paths and our parents were very different. And I guess we're trying to reinvent ourselves at this age. And it's amazing to be given that opportunity at such a young age to focus with what we really would like to be, whether it's writing or anything, really. And I guess our parents, as you mentioned, you know, was from a different generation that expected different things. Did you wish the same for yourself as a child? Actually, uh, I did just discover that I can write when I had the kids already because my husband and I decided to take care of them. So I stayed home for seven years until they started school. That's when I realized that I can also write. So uh, like you said, during our time, there was no opportunity because we were like, you know, the path was prepared for us. But my husband and I, at least I can speak for myself, I wanted to prepare my child more than the path. So that if they do take a path, they're prepared to take whatever path they choose. So um, I guess not wish, but uh, maybe I could have discovered that I can do other things early if was I was given an opportunity when I was younger. I think I had this joke last year when we met up um, <laughs> over Christmas. <laughs> I think I asked you the question. I said, where did Mika get all this talent for writing until we both remembered or I remembered that you actually used to write yes. for me? And we said that the, it was through the mom after all, but because of, I guess, going back to what you were saying, because of motherhood and the changes in your life, mm-hmm. that had to, be, you had to put that back and focus on your kids for a while. 
True, true. Yes. Well, that's really good. <laughs> anyway, so um, currently with the demands of your career, motherhood, and being a wife, is there a window during the day that you dedicate to yourself? And what do you do in that small window, big or small? Oh, it's actually um, early morning and before going to sleep. And because we got together for our love of coffee, that's what I actually do. I take my first cup of coffee the minute I wake up and end the day with a cup of coffee. So, yeah, so the kids are still asleep. When I go down and prepare the day, I take at least 30 to 45 minutes by myself. And then before I go to sleep, and after everything is done, I'll take another cup. So that's that's a small window, but it's like a day for me. You know how coffee brings us to life. So <laughs> Yes, that's true. And I guess it's really good. And um, it's very important that you also you know, have a time for yourself that you can just bring all your energy back to focus to recharge for the next day yes it's it's actually very calming so before the day starts coffee is coming for us so before i retire i do the same so you know it's like me in the morning looking at what the day will be and then in the end what the day has been so how many cups of coffee do you have in a day? Oh my God, do you want the truth or shall I say the truth? <laughs> you can tell the truth and I'll tell you how much coffee I drink. <laughs> Average, because we're stuck at home, I take four to five cups. Of coffee with milk? With milk, yes. Okay, that's not too bad. <laughs> I used to be I used to be the same when we, prior to COVID, we used to have a coffee maker in in the office so we would have um we would have different machines so you could we had the vietnamese gadgets Mm -hmm. coffee makers the small ones the drip we had those in the office and then we also had the nespressos which basically meant you know you could have 10 of those in a day if you wanted and then downstairs if you went out and if you weren't happy you could actually go have a cup of coffee by yourself (laughs) Because there's multiple cafes. So I used to average about four. Mm -hmm. um, But have changed that post, I guess, with COVID and staying home, I've decided that I only want to have one a day. And I start my day with black tea and have one coffee for lunch. And I've been doing that for months. (laughs) Congratulations. <laughs> but I don't um but I don't have it with milk, so my coffee's quite strong. I'd have my coffee black. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, so with this COVID situation, and it's not really COVID, but I guess it's brought out a lot of challenging circumstances in people's lives. There's a lot of worry, a lot of uncertainty. How would you encourage prayer at this time? Surprisingly, um, because I introduced the faith, the Catholic faith, to my children early on, um, practicing the faith in the house at home isn't too challenging. In fact, 
um, I'm glad that the kids are able to adjust to all this lockdown, to all these limitations of movement, because this, they always see the good side of everything, which I think faith has done for me too. You know, with all this, this poverty around us, we're in the Philippines, remember? So there's so many things that will discourage you from doing what you want to do or even... Um, hoping that there will be a better tomorrow, but because you pray, uh, you realize, yeah, you wake up and there's a better day. Um, the kids and I have a practice every year uh, that we actually did in June instead of December where we make um, three boxes. We either give them uh, things that we give away, things that we sell, and things that we keep. Um, surprisingly, only one box got filled up, and this is the things to be given away. And it's so, um, it's so good, you know, for the heart to realize that the kids know how to give. Um, and it wasn't even difficult for them to give away things that um, I thought were dear to them, but they realize that they don't need it. So somebody might want it or somebody might need it more than them. So without being, um, without imposing the faith to them, we go to church every uh, Sunday via uh, Zoom or Facebook. Um, we make it a point to either do it at 12 o'clock noon or 4 in the afternoon. Um, as a family, um, I think it's it's important because faith is a gift. Um, it's easy to pray, but you know it's it's also difficult to understand what's happening. And that's so true. I guess faith is one of those that is. It's very hard to explain. It's more an experience yeah. in some way. And how have you managed to avoid the distractions in the digital world for your kids and make them still have that center of having something bigger than themselves? Um, I think it's um, without me knowing it, things it's because i i early on my mom also passed it to me because we were seven like you were big family so there was routine and routine was an enabler now it was not something bad it became really good so when i had the kids it was conscious it was some conscious effort that because it's a digital age there should be regulation so, uh, exposure to gadget is very, um, it's not minimal, but it's regulated. Uh, they know what it is for. They know how long they should only be, what, what websites or what um, platforms they cannot visit. We're, we're transparent that way. So, if they ask why not, we tell them why not. Um, because if you keep that, they would be more curious and that's more dangerous. So I guess that's so true. The honesty always yeah. behind the reasoning for not enabling is yeah. always appreciated by kids. Yes. I think it's 
it's also because um, we talk to them like adults. We never treated them like, I mean, we never treated them like children. So I'm sure you know that I carried my kids. I, you know, I, yes. we never had a stroller. So there was never a conversation that the kids cannot listen to, which means all the conversations between me and my husband or even among friends are okay for the kids. So it was e- it's easy to talk to them because they're always part of the conversation. That's really good. Okay, down to my last question. Already? This is a, this is a surprise. Ooh. So I figured to add spontaneity to um, the podcast, I'd give one question, the last question, as a surprise and not um, pre with a preview just to see um, what people would say. And given that we're talking about stories and my podcast is about people's stories and people's lives, what story from your childhood, whether fiction read through books or listened stories, stories that were passed down to you has made an impact in your life? And you can think about it. <laughs> think about it. There are so many stories that I read, but the one thing that really stuck and still my children actually got it is the little prince. So that's amazing. It's a good choice. Yeah. And it's 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 one of Mika's favorite. And what about it did you love? I guess it's because um, that's where we forget to be a child because we grow up. So we try to be grown up. You know, we, we, we lose the magic of wonder. And that is what happens when we become adults. We don't see the beauty in the little things anymore. Uh, it's harder to smile because of the worries. So, uh, I always go back to that. So, it was a surprise that Mika liked it also. And then, surprisingly, just recently, it came out on Netflix. They Yeah, it's amazing. That version on Netflix is fantastic. (laughs) No, it was really fantastic. It was... I was skeptical about it when I when I heard that they were making mm-hmm. an animation and I said they're just going to kill the little prince, but it was so beautifully made. Very, very nice. So um Franco isn't isn't a reader. I mean he's not like my little girl, so my youngest Franco. He reads but he's not into reading. Um he's a science and math whiz, so but when he watched The Little Prince, you know what he did after the movie? He read the story. That's amazing. Yes, because he um, he wanted to know more. Because, of course, the movie never tells everything, right? So he got interested. So And I asked him, which is better, the movie or the book? And he said, it's the book. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the book is amazing. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those that you can read as a child and look at it in a different perspective. And then when you read it as an adult, it still makes sense. Yes. True. 
Thank you for the invite. It's so I know, it, and I appreciate your support. So this has been really good. <laughs> it's amazing. Yes. Take care.